0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a fantasy writer for Football Outsiders. Today's very special guest, we have Howard Bender coming over from Fantasy Alarm and XM. Howard, great to have you on the show. How's the first almost quarter of the NFL season
1: treated you? You know what? It's actually treated me pretty darn well. You know, DFS-wise over at Fantasy Alarm, we're absolutely crushing it right now, so... You know, we're getting all those all those big winners. We had a big million dollar winner over at FanDuel. Uh, someone actually last night hit 100 grand on the uh, on the, the showdown slate. So we're feeling good about that. You know, we're starting to see some underperforming players mm-hmm. emerge and, and and do well. We're also still seeing some really, you know, decent guys or guys we expected to do well to kind of tank it early. So, you know, some good, some bad, mm-hmm. but mostly good. No,
0: that's exciting. Exciting about the big winners that have been using your site. That'll be really good for us today because we're going to go through and preview the slate of the games on Sunday and Monday, both from a DFS perspective and hitting on just a big, broader-speaking fantasy storyline. Why don't we go ahead and get that started with the uh, the big game in London, the Jets, quote-unquote, at the Falcons. I know everybody's going to be waking up early, especially on the West Coast, to check that, that one out. This game is at Tottenham Stadium in London. I will point out that uh, for people used to having the Dome in Atlanta, this is an outdoor game, so weather could be a factor, although the forecast is pretty good, 63 degrees and clear. So why don't we start with this, Howard. Uh, With Calvin Ridley not flying to London, and it looks like also Russell Gage is not going to fly to London, the Falcons are kind of down to to some of the bare bones of the skill talent. So can this finally be the week that Kyle Pitts enjoys his breakout game?
1: You'd love to see that, right? Like that's Uh, one of those situations where we're – anxiously awaiting for them to kind of turn something around here. Um, It could, I mean, it's not like Pitts hasn't really been seeing the targets though. Mm -hmm. That's really kind of the, uh, the, the problem right now. And I don't know if it's, you know, how the Falcons are using them, moving them in and out of, you know, the tight end spot to the slot and uh, and freeing them up there. It's just not, it doesn't just seem to be gelling for them uh, at all. And you would think that with Ridley there, uh, that that would pull some coverage away. So I, I yeah. do kind of worry about that. Um, I have a disgustingly large amount of shares of Olamide Achaeus now. Because, <laughs> Aaron Shot's favorite football player for unknown reasons. Right? I mean, it's, um, you know, because you've got, you're going to have Cordero Patterson, who's going to be probably used more as a wideout than a running back this time around. They'll maybe give some extra work to to Mike Davis, but, I mean, who's there? Like, who's going to catch the ball there? You've got Pitts, you've got Zacchaeus, you've got Patterson, and that's it.
0: Yeah, if I were going to be mean, I would try to make you name all of the wide receivers on the roster. Because then you're getting down to, like, the Christian Blakes and Frank Darby's. Yes, I looked that up before the show. Uh, (laughs) But the point is, you mentioned that, broadly speaking, Pitts has been seeing a decent target volume at 17.1%, is ninth highest among tight ends. But among the players that they're actually going to be traveling to London with the Falcons, he's got over 25 percent of those targets so far this season. So you're like, it almost feels like it has to be this week. Plus, you've got the good matchup against the Jets. I'm optimistic. I mean, a lot of this comes from the fact that even though he hasn't scored a touchdown this season, he's sixth among tight ends with one point seven expected touchdowns. That's using the Mike Clay opportunity adjusted touchdown research, basically saying, where are you getting your targets on the field? And how often do those result in touchdowns in terms of like air yards proximity to the end zone and stuff, given that he's been getting that kind of work and it hasn't translated yet. I'm assuming that some of this at least is bad luck. And I'm going to take it as a sign that hopefully this weekend, it could go a little bit better for him with the softer defense, but I don't know if London is going to mess mess that up. I'm just, I'm hopeful because I feel like Pitts is really talented and the usage is there. So I'm hoping the production will
1: follow. Yeah. It's definitely an issue there when you're talking about the travel back and forth from London, that's uh you know, it, it wears on somebody guys, you know, guys get mm. all cramped up and whatnot, making the flight over there. I don't yeah. know. I mean, the, the Falcons, ha, have they left yet or are they leaving on Saturday? So, you know, I, I almost feel like you, you want to get your guys out there as quickly as possible just so that on Sunday, you know, they're not mm. like, you know, still dealing with the jet lag and the and, you know, trying to wake up.
0: Yeah, I I think I heard Robert Mays of of The Athletic talking about this and how I think Robert Sala, this will be his third trip over to London, and he's tried it different days of the week and settled on liking to go Thursday, thinking that like the proximity to the game means that you kind of go, rather than like trying to acclimate to the time shift, it's all just like one big burst of a trip. You get one practice in and then you play and then it's done with. Um, And so we'll see if that sort of approach works for him. I think both teams left on Thursday to head over there. The funniest part about this is that, Basically, the Jets have what the third or f- three or four best wide receivers on the field, which that has to be the first time that's happened in a long, long time. But I'm recommending as my DFS play for the game Jamison Crowder at 4,900 in, in DraftKings. I think that's modestly underpriced, $500 or so. Last week, when he returned from his groin injury that kept him out the first few, he had nine targets, which led the team. Last year, he had a 25% target share, which was 14th among wide receivers. And I know they have a lot better options now than that this year. But just looking at even Braxton Berrios had a twenty point six percent target share the first three weeks. That was forty fifth, forty first among wide receivers. You know, I think if the Jets continue to fall behind in games, they may rely a little bit more heavily on those checkdowns to the slot, which I now think is really going to be Crowder's space. Do you like Crowder at all
1: this week, or kind of more generally the rest of the year? No, I, I actually I do like Crowder. You know, one of the things that we were all concerned about I mean he was uh, he wasn't healthy during the preseason. Um, but was the uh, was the switch going from Darnold to Zach Wilson, uh, looking at a different scheme? Was Crowder going to see the same number of targets? The fact that he saw nine targets in his first game back, very encouraging, I think. Uh, and listen, we know we know we know the the deficiencies of that Falcon secondary. Um, so you're you're going to get. I mean, I'm I'm hoping Elijah Moore is actually going to be back. Uh, For this, just so that the the Jets can Mm -hmm. do a a three wide receiver set, you know, kind of uh, a a bunch here, because I think that's really where where the Falcons lose it the most. So, you know, Corey Davis drawing some attention his way, maybe Elijah Moore as well. And that'll put Crowder into Mm -hmm. a into a much better spot, I think.
0: So we have a question coming in over YouTube. I should probably mention that the Football Outsiders fantasy show and in fact, Football Outsiders in general is live streaming one to two p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Monday through Friday, every day of the week. The fantasy stuff comes Tuesday and Friday. Aaron Schatz, Mike Tanier, and others do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But the question from CCX3 is, is it insane to run Zacchaeus over OBJ this week? And I would say, even with the absences Atlanta has, that's pretty insane. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> um, Beckham has had like, I, I think it's probably been about a 30% target share the first two weeks, obviously didn't translate into a lot of catches this last week. But the only reason that you might even consider this, I guess, is the fact that there's like a torn labrum potential issue. Um, but I mean, I think, you know, facing the chargers, I think the Browns are going to be able to move the ball. Um, if Baker can get it out there at all, it's his non throwing shoulder. I feel like it's, you're definitely going to want to start Beckham. Right. Uh, right. Howard.
1: Yeah, I feel like you've, you've got to start Beckham in this one here. And, yeah, you're right. The, the torn labrum is in the non-throwing shoulder. I think that was more just Baker Mayfield kind of uh, making some excuses for for some really lousy play in that game against Minnesota. Um, you know, again, as bad as the Jets might be, the Falcons are not good. The offensive mm-hmm. line is not good. If the Jets can get any kind of penetration and rattle Matt Ryan, I mean, it doesn't matter who the wide receivers are out there for Atlanta. They're going to struggle – uh you know a, a bunch at least you know that Cleveland's going to run the ball yeah. heavily and that's going to hopefully open up the passing attack a little bit more
0: I'm hopeful all right next up we have the Packers at Bengals 1 p.m eastern time in Cincinnati 77 degrees and clear Howard my storyline here is do you think Joe Burrow is making the year two leap I know the the like total fantasy production hasn't totally been there so far but part of that's been that he just hasn't thrown as many passes as a lot of these other quarterbacks looking at all the efficiency stats. 72.9% completion rate, 9.2 yards per attempt, has nine total touchdowns. They're all like top five type of
1: numbers. I've liked what I've seen, but what do you think of him so far? Um, uh, he hasn't been throwing as much as, as he was last year until now. <laughs> right? I mean, that's that's kind of the narrative here. I mean, looking at it from, from an overall standpoint, doing a bird's eye view from mm-hmm. 10,000 feet, Um, why in the world if Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are so good right now and they're moving and grooving, why is this point spread only three points, right? Why are the why are the Bengals only a three-point dog right now? Um, and so you have to kind of equate that in there and say, All right, well, you don't have Joe Mixon, it's gonna be Samaj Pirah, it's gonna be Chris Evans. Um, this is the perfect opportunity to Joe for Joe Burrow to Throw the ball 35, 40 times a game. He's getting T. Higgins back. The Packers don't have Jair Alexander. Yeah, uh, they're actually, getting actually. back Kevin King, but he's like, he's not a, a fully uh, 100% here. So to me, this is like, this is that get right game for Joe Burrow. Like, you got to make sure that Burrow is in your lineup. I definitely see him throwing the ball like a good like 40 times this week.
0: I'm, I'm right there with you. I think a lot of the slow start in the year in terms of the run pass balance probably had to do with his recovery from his torn ACL. And, you know, the last couple of weeks, I've seen him take off and run a couple of times and like do some stuff that gives me confidence that he feels good about his knee. So I, I totally agree. It's going to transition to be being more of him taking control of the offense. And especially if there's a chance they could fall behind to a team like the Packers, they're going to have to throw the ball. Right. So I really like the value there. But the, the fact that you brought up the Joe Mixon, we think he's going to miss this game last I checked. Uh, he's got a low ankle sprain, but uh, hasn't been practicing at all this week. I'm throwing this out as sort of a cautious potential DFS play. So Matt JP Ryan is only $4,000 in DraftKings, but obviously like, doesn't do as much as a receiver as Joe Mixon does. That's been a big part of Mixon's fantasy value. The Bengals' offensive line isn't necessarily the greatest so I don't know. This is a little boomer busty, but would you go with uh, Pirine if you maybe needed to save a little bit of money to spend elsewhere in your lineups?
1: Um, I mean, maybe, you know, look at his price on FanDuel as a possibility here because mm-hmm. they still want to run the ball. They still want to establish the run. But, I don't know, maybe Captain America, Chris Evans, is the uh, is the sneakier mm-hmm. player. I think he's Min Price uh, over on DK, and he's going to be the guy who's the uh, – he's, he's the pass catcher. He um, is. Really out of that group. Mm -hmm.
0: Like the the one reservation I have is that they just haven't worked him in a lot yet. I think just nine, uh, either nine touches or nine snaps. I should have written this down versus 44 for Pirine. Those are probably snaps, but yeah, the fact that Mixon's out, that could change the game here. So I could see Evans being a little bit of a sneaky one as well. Uh, But those are potential names to look at. Just keep an eye on Joe Mixon's availability heading into the game. All right, next up, we have the Lions at Vikings in the Dome in Minnesota, 1 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday Howard, how concerned are you about Dalvin Cook's ankle injury? Obviously, he missed Week Three, but returned last week. But uh, lost maybe in the lack of production too. Was that he didn't play as much either? He played seventy-one and seventy-seven percent in snaps of snaps in Weeks One and Two, pretty typical for him. Down to just forty-nine percent in Week Four. And obviously, you would really want to use him here in a great spot at home
1: against the Lions.
0: But you know, if he's only going to be playing half the time, it may not be worth it. What are your thoughts?
1: I kind of feel like this is a, a big game for Minnesota. You know, it's just Detroit's terrible. They're awful. <laughs> they're not great. Although they're, I love I mean, Dan Campbell and I, I stand by that. But yes, they're bad. Do you? Oh do. my God. To me, it's like you put the, the, the Hulk into a cheerleader costume. There you go. Now you got Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell's the guy who's sitting on the sidelines telling the opposition he's going to eat their children. Uh, just their kneecaps, not, not, not the whole children. Yeah. And then the worst part is, is that, you know, Dan Campbell's not a, he's not a, I'm going to develop this great offensive scheme. He's like more of like the, the, the cheerleader type, Mm -hmm. like, you know, the kind of coach Herm Edwards was like, he'll motivate, but he's not really, he's not like a a scheme designer. Um, And he leaves that up to his, uh, his coordinators for that. And, and he hired Anthony Lynn. Who doesn't develop his own schemes either? He like used to let his coordinator do that over in uh, in in Los Angeles. So I worry about that. Obviously, Pene Sewell is likely to be out. Uh, Frank Ragnow, their center, he's li- liable to be out. Mm-hmm. So I see the I see Minnesota really beating up on on Detroit in this one. So I like Dalvin Cook for like the first half of the game. Yeah, and he'll get the snaps and he'll get the carries and he'll help them establish the run. But second half, he could end up getting yanked uh, in favor of Alex Madison, especially yeah, that's if Minnesota goes up big like I kind of expect them to.
0: Yeah, I actually think I saw a stat that more than 40% of the the Lions salary cap is currently out. I think a lot of that's probably in, in Romeo Aquaro's is out for the year, uh, but... Yeah, that's a team that couldn't afford any injuries, and they've had injuries for, to a lot of their major players. Frank Ragnow, as mentioned, it's it's not a good situation. So, yeah, you you have to feel like the Vikings are going to have success with the run. And I don't know, like, I think I'm willing to, in tournaments, ride with Dalvin Cook. I noticed he's 8,400 in DraftKings. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's too much more expensive in FanDuel. So, like, expensive, but not the, like, Christian McCaffrey out of this world expensive. So I think it's it's a, a viable play, but maybe not as much in the, like, 50-50 type of games because uh, you're yeah, right. What like what if Madison comes in and, and gets 12 carries in the second half and then scores? Then you're gonna be like, oh, that could have been Cook, but maybe they're conserving him with the ankle injury. So I think it's it's a bit of a risky play, but one that I think can can work.
1: Yeah, for sure. For uh, sure. We, I, I like I like it in tournament play as well.
0: We have some great questions coming in on the chat on YouTube, live streaming. We are there Monday through Friday, one to two p.m. Eastern time. Somebody, either me, Aaron Shotz, Mike Tanier, some of the guys at Football Outsiders. Uh, We're live on YouTube, we're live on Twitch, we're live on Twitter, we're live on Facebook, however it is you want to watch us. And we're going to get to all of those, but we're going to kind of hit them when they come up with the appropriate game. So we're talking about the relevant players. First, we'll head over to the Broncos at Steelers game, 1 p.m. in Pittsburgh, 69 degrees and clear. Uh, The Steelers, I mean... Obviously, they've been kind of a butt of a lot of jokes so far. So, but I want to ask you about the skill players more than about Roethlisberger specifically. Are you buying or selling or maybe holding on some of these fantasy guys like Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Clay- Chase Claypool? Are there any of them that maybe that you're you're really relying on in fantasy, like encouragingly, or or, or what's your plan with all of those
1: guys? i'm actually i i don't have any shares of of any of these steelers players i didn't even i didn't even get a a share of Najee harris and i wanted to Mm
0: -hmm. right
1: i worry about the the state of this offensive line and i mean you have to worry about all the skill players because they all kind of ping off of that offensive line and big bet right i mean how am i gonna how am i gonna trust any of these receivers if Ben, whether he's got the pictorial issue or not, can't throw for more than six yards yeah, yeah. Uh, at a clip. Maybe that helps Juju Smith Schuster overall. Um, but I mean, you know, we even we saw him hitting uh Deontay Johnson on a couple of, you know, you know, 15 plus yard passes. And uh, and he was just he was floating them. You know, it wasn't, mm. you know, there was no zip on the ball. There was a lot no ever throws. Yeah. So, you know, I, I worry a lot about that. I think that they can you know, stack the box against Najee Harris, and this—I love Najee Harris—and he'll get his checkdowns, right? So, so Harris in a in a PPR format, okay. Juju in a PPR format, okay. But I, I can't really sit there and, and fully rely on the game that you're expecting to get from Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. Just he wasn't even seeing the the targets early on. Yeah.
0: I mean, so Roethlisberger is a problem, obviously. So for a lot of these guys, the preseason optimism that I had maybe not won't come totally to fruition. But part of this, too, is I almost feel like this was a little bit of the Buccaneers thing over the last like since Tom Brady arrived, where there's maybe one too many of these guys for everybody to sort of hit their 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 marks. Yeah. Uh, and we kind of in my mind, I think, saw that with Najee Harris in week three. So his target totals for the season, three in week one, five in week two, 19 in week three, and then seven in week four. And then week three, that was the week that Deontay Johnson didn't play. Juju Smith-Schuster got hurt early, and suddenly the Steelers didn't really have enough bodies, and and that's how you end up with 19 targets in a game. And I feel like if we could subtract one of these three, or one of these four, I guess, from the team, that that may help everyone else have a little bit more success, even if Roethlisberger isn't really pushing the ball downfield the way he used to. And so what I'm kind of intrigued by is, you know, what if the Steelers fall out of this thing and decide to trade Juju Smith Schuster, who's on a one year, $8 million contract. You know, like he he may not come back to the team in the future. It's, it's weird to me that he came back to the team at all anyway. So I, I'm, I'm almost wondering if you should be holding these guys, especially maybe Deontay Johnson um, as a potential value play here in, in that respect. But with the way it is now, I'm not sure I'm super optimistic about any of them. And that includes Harris who, again, I think that the, the target total is is really inflated by the players around him that were injured in week three.
1: Well, maybe we should play a, a round of marry kill with the <laughs> wide receivers here, Scott. Um, okay. You got to marry one, you got to kill one, and you got to mm, one. Who? <laughs> Juju okay, well, I- Claypool and uh, and Deontay. Go ahead.
0: So I, I'm going to kill Smith Schuster, by which I mean we trade him out of the Steelers, get him to the Chiefs or some team where he has greener pastures to work with. I'm going to marry Chase Claypool because like I think his talent is incredible. And over the long term, he's going to be like a really great match. You're going to want to have him for the full career. Right. Um, and so then I guess I guess Deontay Johnson is more of a short term fling for me, which I hate to say, but I mean, this is, you know, what do you what do you want? I think Claypool's just a more talented guy. That's that's kind of where I landed.
1: Listen, with the, you know, with the, the, the deficiencies of big Ben throwing, it would definitely be short-term interest in, uh, in Deontay Johnson. (laughs) Oh,
0: geez. We're going to get in trouble. So let me move on to my DFS recommendation for this game. Honestly, I don't want to play any of these guys in DFS, including Harris, who I think is too expensive. So I settled on Cortland Sutton, um, you know, you're, I guess at this point, you're hoping Teddy Bridgewater is going to be able to play. I believe he's cleared concussion protocol and is practicing today, Friday. So I think that's probably going to happen, but the Steelers are a pretty good defense. Um, I know they've been a little bit banged up, but Sutton at least has had a 26% target share since week two with Jerry Judy out. So maybe in the short term, you just kind of make it a volume play, but I don't really love anybody in this game. What about you, Howard?
1: I don't love anybody in this game either. Mm-hmm. Uh Yeah. I, was was looking at i was trying to hope and pray maybe that Noah Fant, but steelers actually rank i think they're like fourth or fifth uh against the tight end yeah uh, right now so i'll 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 lean with sutton for you there i think Mm. that that's probably i mean if if you had to pick anybody out of this game he's probably the guy
0: it's a premise of the show that i pick one player per game so that's why he's there but i'm not actually saying you should start him uh, let's move on to a game with a few better DFS options. Uh, well, maybe. The Dolphins at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 1 p.m. Ooh. in Tampa, th- uh, 83 degrees and clear. So, I'm like, obviously the Bucks are where you would want to go with this in fantasy, but I will bring up that, that Mike Kosicki has really played well of late, had a lot of targets of late. Do you think you can trust him as a top 10 fantasy tight end now?
1: Um, You know, I mean – you're really not saying much when you say top ten, right? That's fair. Like top top, maybe top five. Seven? Is, I don't know. Right. Yeah. So he's he's definitely on the back end of that. But, you know, listen, Jacoby Brissett, his his deficiencies as a quarterback really, you know, has him, you know, looking towards the tight end across the middle a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like that utilizing a guy like uh like Jalen Waddell. Uh like those are the guys who are gonna get peppered with the targets. I mean, you know, Will Fuller on on IR again, surprise. Mm. Hate that, but I him. mean, even Devontae Parker and those guys, you know, it's there's nothing, there's nothing doing there. So, you know, Gesicki will get funneled these targets over and over again, which definitely puts him in the conversation for that back end of the top 10, for sure.
0: So, I'm really glad you brought up Brissett because it's been interesting to see that Gesicki with Brissett at quarterback, 21% target share, really high, like top five at the position, kind of high. But with Tua, and granted, it was only for a game and a few more plays. target share so far this season. So really big disparity. And I mean, I think obviously when Tua comes back and has a a bigger sample to work with, Gasicki is going to get more of that work than 6.5%. But I also, I'm not sure that the split is totally coincidental because, you know, Gasicki is a contested catch winner more than anything else. Like 2.0 average yards of separation last year for next gen stats was third lowest among wide receivers and tight ends with 43 or more targets. Like Tua doesn't have good arm. Like, I'm not sure he's going to be forcing the ball into his tight end the way that maybe Brissett has been doing because he hasn't been able to work the ball down the field as much. I don't know. Like, I, I guess I still don't totally know what Tua is going to be as a quarterback, but I'm mildly concerned that, that Gasicki has gotten so much more work with Brissett, And that means that this week I'm happy to use Brissette, Uh I mean, not Brissett. Happy to use Gasicki, especially right. if Devontae Parker ends up being injured. But when Tua comes back, looks like in week six from his rib injury – I think I'm probably going to leave him on my benches for a week or two to see how that plays out.
1: I can understand that for sure. You know, I mean, you look at the fact of, you know, where where's Tua, where are Tua's eyes, mm-hmm. you know, looking when he's, you know, when he's scrambling around or he's, you know, trying to, you know, settle into the pocket. He's constantly looking downfield. That's because I mean, that's, that's his bread and butter. That's, you know, what he was mm-hmm. trained to do in college, right? I mean, he wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't about these like short, quick, high percentage passes over to the tight end. Um, you know, that's definitely more of a, of a Brissette thing. That's definitely more of like a, I know I got to move the chains sort of a, a, an issue here. So I, I, listen, I do worry about Gesicki with, uh, with Tua. I worry about Tua. I don't necessarily know if he's actually going to develop into a decent quarterback in the NFL.
0: I don't either, but I'm also, I think, more open to, to wait and see than a lot of people, given how little he's actually been able to play. Slam it's the like, door, Scott. Come on. Slam the door. I don't know. There seemed to be like a really, like, everybody's ready to be like, well, Justin Herbert's good, so I guess Tua stinks, but I don't know. Give, give him more than nine games in his career to figure that out. I want um, you like Willy Wonka, man. I said good <laughs> day, sir. We're going to throw him in like a moat full of chocolate, and that's going to be the the chocolatey demise of Tua.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> Obviously the Bucks is where it's probably where you want to go with most of the fantasy stuff. And there are some bigger names here, but I did want to bring up Giovanni Bernard, $4600 in FanDuel. I think is $700 underpriced if he can play. Obviously keep keep an eye on the news. He missed last week with the like a non-serious knee injury, but after playing 26% and 10% of snaps in weeks 1 and 2 coming off a different injury, an ankle sprain from the preseason, he jumped to a 45% share in week 3 and saw 10 targets. And I don't think that was a coincidence. I don't think that was necessarily a one-week game plan thing. Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones have two of the three highest drop rates on their catchable targets since the start of 2020. I just don't think that Brady's going to keep trusting those guys in the passing game when he has somebody like Bernard that he can throw to, like he did with James White back in the day. So I think he's going to be a big value when he gets back. Do you like Bernard at all in that offense?
1: Um, I do. It's just it's going to be obviously it's going to be game situation. You know, game yeah. flow. Hard to predict. Thing. Like if they're in a if they're in a competitive battle, mm-hmm. well then yeah, I could see the you know them them doing that. But if they're you know if they're not, you know, if they're you know if they're blowing somebody out or you know, if they're they're playing somebody like you know, let's just say Tennessee, who has you know the worst secondary, um, you know, I feel like Brady's just looking downfield for those guys there. I do agree with you. I, I think Bernard does have value, and I actually invested in him. Uh early in the uh in the preseason, especially in best balls, because yeah. I, I figured that there are like whatever Tom wants, Tom gets, right? <laughs> like Tom wanted Gronk, and when they had Brayton OJ Howard, he got Gronk, right? Yeah. Tom wanted uh Antonio Brown, they gave him Antonio Brown. So whatever he wants. So he wanted Gio Bernard. He said, I need a guy who's going to be, you know, and this this is you're also talking about a quarterback who turned around to Belichick what two years ago and was like um we need to get james white more involved in this offense mm-hmm. so he loves that having the security of that pass catching back he loves those short high percentage passes whether it's to the tight end or a running back who's you know do a block and release so i agree with you i do like geo bernard um obviously you know health is always an issue for him mm-hmm. because he's so little
0: he is And by the way, we're getting some great questions in on the YouTube chat. We're going to get to all of those. But you guys are peppering me with the game, the 4 p.m. and uh, 8 p.m. game. So we're we're getting there in (laughs) due time. But we've got to hit on all of these fascinating 1 p.m. games, much like the Saints at the Washington football team in Washington at 70 degrees. Uh, This one actually has a 61% chance of rain, so possibly a factor, although I'm not sure other than Terry McLaurin who all you're going to be using in the passing game here. So I steered the fantasy question to be more of a defensive one, which is, Howard, do you think that Washington is a defense to sort of target for your passing matchups? I know that entering the year, we thought they were going to be one of the better pass rushing units, maybe one of the better pass defense units overall. Hasn't been the case so far. Do you think that's going to change?
1: Um, I, I, no, I, I don't. I mean, I think they really got exposed. Their secondary really got exposed. Mm. You know, Everybody was so reliant on the front seven, just shaking things up and they haven't yep. really done their job either they're not in the backfield on on a regular basis freaking out quarterbacks so you know opposing quarterbacks are getting the time that they need to set up and they're just carving up this Washington secondary so you know unfortunately for the Saints I mean well I mean it's Jameis Winston throw a little Taysom Hill in there yeah Um, I don't think the Saints are going to end up being any kind of a threat here to Washington uh you know, without having that, you know, that number one wide receiver, having that like Michael Thomas guy, because Marquez Calloway certainly isn't doing it.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I think you're kind of hitting on a really good point here that the secondary is the big problem more than the front. And so like the matchups really could play a role here. Uh, Derek Klassen actually football outsiders film expert did a really great film room write up on this talking about how some of the additions they made in the off season, like, you know, your William Jackson's and they drafted Benjamin St. Juice. Like these are guys that, it, it kind of forces a, a round peg into a square hole, whatever that saying is, where it's like, you've got Kendall Fuller, who's really good on the on the boundaries, can kind of use the out of bounds as a second defender. He's like really crafty in that way. But suddenly he's playing in the slot because William Jackson can't play the slot. Benjamin St. Juice can't play the slot. And it's like, you're getting less out of your talent than you would if they all fit together in like perfect pieces. And so I think that's probably a big part of why this team is underachieved relative to what we assume the talent level was. But I mean, all that being said is like, are the saints, the team that can benefit? I don't know. And especially if it ends up raining in this game, it might be a lot of Camara and not a lot else from a fantasy perspective. And and honestly, the rain kind of scares me a little bit away from Terry McLaurin, given that there's other really good receiving options you can use in DFS this week. So for my DFS play, I'm recommending Ricky Seals Jones. Um, This is a, a very, very deep cut, but he is the minimum price in DraftKings, 2,500. Logan Thomas is on injured reserve with a hamstring injury. Uh, The Washington ends up bringing in Jay Sternberger, who I think is probably a bigger name at this point, but never really did anything with the Packers. Seals Jones jumped from a 10 to 18% snap share weeks one to three to 93% last week. I can't imagine this ends up being more than, say, six targets or so, but um, who else are you getting? Like, if you're not if you're not spending all the money on Alvin Kamara and Terry McLaurin, I don't really know who else you would want to use in this game. So Seals Jones is a bit of a flyer. Is that is that too crazy?
1: Uh, No, because he's minimum price. And, you know, listen, Logan Thomas was seeing 100% of the snaps, Mm -hmm. right? He saw, what, 14 targets through the first three weeks of the season. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones saw one, which was a touchdown. Then he got four in the game, you know, this past game. Uh, Especially if you're talking about a game that that weather could be a factor in there, then you want those short passes uh, to the tight end. I think the only thing that we got to worry about is – uh, if memory serves, that the uh, the New Orleans Saints rank fifth in DVOA against hmm. the tight end position.
0: They're actually, I think, top five overall in defensive DVOA. Like I know they haven't really been good this year per se as a team, but it's a sne- a sneaky defense to to kind of steer away from. So it may be smart to avoid Washington as well in this game and just kind of move on to some other options in DFS. And, you know, honestly, sticking with the defensive headline, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Carolina Panthers, 1 p.m. in Carolina, 73 degrees and clear. The Panthers are one of the really good surprises early from a defensive perspective, but the Cowboys really moved the ball against them effectively in week four. So, Howard, do you think the Cowboys, quote-unquote, exposed the Panthers' defense as maybe being overrated? Or do you think that the Panthers can be effective against sort of the less high-powered offenses, potentially seeing one this week in the Eagles?
1: I think they are – less effective against the high powered offenses like Dallas. I mean listen mm-hmm. that pa- that that passing game for Dallas, I mean the the precision was just unbelievable. And they weren't even using CD Lamb or yep. or Amari Cooper. Like Cooper had that that one touchdown catch, but you know Lamb wasn't a big factor. They were doing it with the tight end, they were doing it with the support cast Cedric Wilson mm-hmm. uh, out of the slot. So, you know, I think that, you know, Carolina saw that, you know, it happened to them. But you're also now talking about a team that just picked up CJ. Henderson in the trade and then they just acquired Stefan Gilmore. They did. So they are they they know where their weak spots are, which is great, right? I mean, that's that's the best part is that they know where their weak spots are and they're being proactive uh, in trying to plug those holes. So you know when you're talking about Philadelphia here, I don't think that this is a, a high octane offense like Dallas. and I think that this is a a situation where Carolina can really come out on top. I mean, obviously Nick Sirianni doesn't like to run the ball, mm-hmm. right? You know, he's got, he's Jalen Hurts can do whatever he wants and scramble around, run on his own, throw the ball downfield. But, you know, I just don't see this game plan working against Carolina. So if I'm going to, you know, look at at which players, which side I want more, uh, you know, more shares of, whether it's seasonal or DFS, then I'm definitely picking off a of Carolina here. So I think
0: I'm with you too. I'm, I'm definitely bullish on the Panthers in the long term. I think they're fourth in, in defensive DVOA at this point now, fifth in passive de- defensive DVOA down a little bit after the Cowboys blowout. out. Um, but like I, you know, when they bring in Stefan Gilmore, if JC Horn can come back later in this year, I do think this defense is really young, really fast, can be really good in a defense you probably want to avoid in fantasy. I'm intrigued in the short term, how it's going to go. Cause again, you're, you don't have Gilmore yet. He's still on the PUP list. Horn is out injured. Shaq Thompson, the, the fast middle linebacker, is going to miss this game as well, looks like. So you're missing some pieces. But the thing of it here between the Eagles and Cowboys is I just don't think the Eagles, while they can do things on offense, I think it's so much more, I don't know, less diverse, I guess would be the way to put it. Like Hertz is kind of working on those short after the catch type of throws or working the boundaries deeper. But it's like there's huge swaths of the, the field in the middle of the field and stuff that he's not throwing to at all. And it just seems like it's going to be much easier for a team like the Panthers with speed to defend it. And so I think I'm with you here where like, I don't really want to rely on any of the Eagles if I can avoid it. Maybe Hurts, because I mean, Hurts with his legs can kind of, who even knows what's a good and a bad matchup for a, for a player like that in fantasy, and he runs so much that he's going to be good. But I'm not sure I'm going to be wanting to rely on on the Eagles wide receivers, even if the Panthers don't have their top options at cornerback in the short term. From a DFS perspective, the play that I would want to make here is DJ Moore. He's $7,500 in DraftKings. I think that's $300 underpriced. Pretty good for a guy that's sort of a top type of price here. But Moore seems to be breaking out in my mind here with Sam Darnold, a quarterback. 30.1% target share is eighth highest among wide receivers. And the issue that I've always had with Moore from a fantasy perspective is the lack of touchdowns. But this year, three actual touchdowns, 2.0 expected touchdowns. I think Darnold having the better arm strength than Teddy Bridgewater has really transformed the Panthers red zone offense where he couldn't really do much last year. They had to rely on Christian McCaffrey to score in close and then he missed time and Darnold can kind of sling it in there in the red zone. And so even a guy like Moore who isn't really big, but can kind of find the small spaces between zones, he can really work, work in that way and then score in the red zone with Darnold specifically. That's why I like him.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, what a difference a year makes, right? When we were sitting there, we were touting Robbie Anderson last year. DJ Moore wasn't getting any of the looks. Now it's a complete reversal of uh, fortune here for DJ Moore. I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, Sam Darnold uh, is having, you know, he he just can't look at Robbie Anderson. It just reminds (laughs) him of being on the Jets. PTSD from the Jets. Absolutely. I feel like that might be the case here. So I'd like to see that. You want to, you know, cheap tight end. They don't really. They don't really hit the tight end all that much but you know when you bring in a guy like like um oh uh, it's about Tommy, Tommy Trimble? Trimble? Yeah, yeah you know when you, you know i mean listen i get it he's going to he's going to get weaned in it's going to be some gimmicky stuff uh mm. at first but you know there's a reason they traded away Dan Arnold right and and it's not because Ian Thomas was so good <laughs> right so you know i feel like they kind of want to get a little bit more Creative with that because you can't just sit there and and just fire the ball to to DJ Moore and only DJ Moore, you know, at at, at that point you're going to have to mix it up a little bit.
0: Yeah, but Urban Meyer loves Dan Arnold. I just saw saw the big news story about it. I mean, clearly he knows what's going on. Actually, we're we're bridging over to the Titans and Jaguars game. Uh, that's at 1 p.m. Sunday in Jacksonville, 75 degrees and clear. This isn't per se a fantasy thing, but I just kind of wanted to talk about Urban Meyer because it's kind of crazy. Um, but in your mind, is Urban Meyer, how all the drama around him, does it affect how you think about Trevor Lawrence and the likely success that he's going to have in his career? Here's the summary that I've made of everything that's gone on with Urban so far this year. I know I'm missing things, but he got hired, he hired and then quickly was forced to fire a strength coach who was a- accused of being a racist. He split Trevor Lawrence's preseason snaps with Gardner Minshew because of, a, I think, a make-believe quarterback competition, but potentially delaying Lawrence's you know, preparedness for the NFL. He uh, auditioned Tim Tebow at a new position at 34 years old. By the way, I'm 35, so you think I'm running out there playing tight end? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, he hadn't played in the NFL at all since 2012. He skipped flying home with the, after that Thursday night loss last week. That's the thing that I think gets lost a little bit in the drama of the dance video is that he just like didn't get on the plane with his team. So I'm sure they love that. And then obviously got filmed dancing inappropriately with a woman while he is in fact married um, and then lied about it. So like with all of that craziness going on, it it seems hard for me to believe that Urban's going to survive the season or at least be a multi-year coach with the team. Like does this kind of sabotage Lawrence? I mean, Lawrence, I've, I've loved some of the flashes, but negative 33% passing DVOA is not very good. It's not
1: very good and it's it's kind of troubling just for the sake of, of of this year and it does make me a little nervous. Um, but I don't know if you saw the the video that was posted uh, yesterday of the uh, Jaguars practice where uh-huh. they wrapped up oh they wrapped they wrapped up practice and they all got together at the middle of the field and they all huddled up and Trevor Lawrence said, all right, we're gonna say, you know uh, you know gave like his little speech and then he yeah. said grind on three. And they all counted to three and they all yelled grind. And it was like, you know, <laughs> and it was they like started that, dancing in the clubs. <laughs> right. It was like that, that dig at, at urban Meyer that, you know, I mean, listen, we, we heard that he was losing the locker room in the preseason. So, you know, I, I do think it's troubling, but I also feel like you've got some, you've got some guys on that team who yeah. might rise above, you know, the, mm-hmm. the nightmare of what their coach is doing and kind of let, you know, Lawrence lead them a little bit more, you know, like Marvin Jones and LaVisca yeah. Chenault and, and, uh, and, and Lawrence or, and and Dan Arnold, they're all huddled up with each other. And they're like, you know, right, you know what, whatever the coach says is fine, but let's draw some plays out on the palm of our hands and and in the huddle and let's figure out what we're going to do on our own. It's not something I want to invest in. I mean, it's a great matchup this week for for yeah. DFS purposes, right? I mean, the Titans are horrible and to throw down like, um, you know, like a GPP stack of, of Lawrence with LaVisca Shenault and Marvin Jones, and then have Derrick Henry coming back the other way. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, it, it, it's just, it's screaming at you to do, but yeah, you got to worry about the, uh, the effects of urban Meyer. I, I genuinely hope that he's relieved of his duties earlier. Like this isn't, this, this behavior doesn't fly in the NFL. And you can't alpha your team. You can't alpha dog your team because these are grown men. These aren't college kids who are enamored with the idea of playing for Urban Meyer at Ohio State. These guys are like, you know, this is my bread and butter. This is what it's all about. So can't screw around with a a lame duck coach like that. I mean, part of me
0: is glad that Trevor Lawrence is as good as he is because I do see him like, you know, changing protections and stuff at the line of scrimmage where – Maybe he's smart enough to sort of keep himself okay when when everything around him isn't really going great. But yeah, it. I don't know if I'm going to trust it this season very frequently from a DFS perspective. But you know the the matchup as you said is great. The player of the ones you mentioned that stands out the most to me is Lavisca Chenault. He's 4,800 in DraftKings. I think that's 900 underpriced. What maybe I think people could be missing here is that DJ Chart fractured his ankle last week, and it's just that removes one of the main three cogs in this passing game, which I think Mm -hmm. is in particular will probably benefit Chenault from a target perspective. He already has seven or more targets in all three of his healthy games this season. So I think seven plus is is probably in the bag for him again this week, which makes him a pretty nice DFS value. Um, But like you, I don't know if I'm like totally willing to put my chips in on the Jaguar stack right now. Uh, I'd like some, some better support for Lawrence than that.
1: Oh, I I built one. I built one on DraftKings. Wait, I should I should probably try and and pull this lineup up because I mean it's uh it's 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 filthy. Oh yeah, here you go. Um, <laughs> so it's Trevor Lawrence with mm-hmm. Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey, who's expected out this week. Love that. Would love to see that. Right, Marvin Jones, Lavisca Chennault. Then you got T Higgins. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Here's your boy, Ricky seals. Jones is your, tight
0: end. Uh, I didn't have, you didn't have me with, uh, with Derek Henry and Christian McCaffrey, but
1: I'm sold now. (laughs) The flex I'm still kind of playing around with here, but I'm thinking that Damian Williams might be an intriguing Mm. option.
0: Yeah. But we've got a question about him coming up too. So we just need to get there. Um, we still got some more games to hit on though. We've got the Patriots at Texans 1 PM in the, the dome in Houston. Um, is there any fantasy value in the Patriots running game, Howard? Like, I ask this because, so you remove James White. That seems to open up a lot of opportunities for the other players, but it's been kind of weird how that's gone in the week since. Ramondra Stevenson, who we all had a lot of optimism about in the preseason, was still inactive in week four. I thought that he might get in and see a little bit more work. That didn't really happen. Uh, Brandon Bolden seemed to be the most direct skills comp, but he's only played 46 and 36% of snap shares the last two weeks, not quite up to White's bigger standards. And the Damian Harris, while he's only run for ten yards the last two weeks, which I not great, um, he he did run seventeen pass routes last week, which was a career high. So,
1: is there anybody here that you're looking at from a fantasy perspective? Uh, never with the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, I I just can't do it. You never know, you know, who the running back of choice is going to be. You mm-hmm. never know who the, who's going to see the targets this week or next week. Um, you know, I'll I'll use the Patriots defense and DFS. Sure, but that's probably about it. I just, you can't rely. I would love to rely on, you know, on, on Damian Harris. I just can't do it from DFS.
0: So if, if I were in a shot taking mood, I probably would look at Damian Harris this week specifically. So much of that's about the Texans matchup, but part of it too is sort of the expectations that changed the last two weeks that I'm not sure are entirely fair because again, those 10 rushing yards on 10 carries came against the bucks and saints They finished number one and number two in run defense DVOA last season. To my mind, may still be the best two run defenses in the league. So not as shocking that he couldn't get it working on the ground the last couple weeks. If Stevenson continues to be a healthy scratch, I think Harris may be startable in the right matchups. But you're right about the Patriots. It's going to be pretty hard to guess when the right times are, even if it's easier to guess when the wrong times are. So, yeah, hard to disagree with what you're saying. I had to come up with some DFS play in this one, and uh, you're not going to love this, but I came up with Danny Amendola at $3,200 oh, in DraftKings. The uh, revenge
1: game narrative.
0: Abso- so that's absolutely <laughs> it. But the Texans also released Anthony Miller, which is kind of funny. Um, so here are their wide receivers. I should make you guess this too, or that that would be mean. They've got Brandon Cooks, who's like number one in the league in target share. Then they've got Chris Conley, Andre Roberts, who's a returner. Davion Davis, who I literally know nothing about, but he got promoted uh, from the practice squad this week. And then Danny Amendola. Um, if you combine Amendola and Miller, since they haven't played together, they have five, six and five targets and their healthy starts this year.
1: Eh,
0: I don't know. Uh, I don't really advocate this necessarily, but it's a little bit on my radar. What do you think?
1: Um, I, you know, God, God love you for, for trying, right? say no
0: more. Say no more. I'll, I'll
1: do the Pat's defense. <laughs> okay. That, that's probably a
0: better one. Um, Why don't we quickly move on? We're, we're to the 4 p.m. Slate finally. And I'm finally going to get to some of these YouTube questions. First up, the Chicago bears at Las Vegas Raiders 405 in the dome in Las Vegas. Um, I'll say that after his second start went much, much better. Do you think Justin Fields can be good enough to prop up Allen Robinson and Darnell Moody from a fantasy perspective? Because while they've both been top, 30 among target shares among wide receivers the scoring obviously hasn't been there and i think that's that's got me worried for their fantasy prospects
1: um you know i think that fields can get there i think that you know we just need he just needs the reps he needs the first team reps he needs the game experience uh-huh. um you know i mean he he needs to you know, he needs to work the uh you know the the rollouts more, you know, see, you know, be able to like really see the field in its entirety when he is, you know, scrambling around in the uh yeah. in the backfield. So I think I think there is there's plenty of talent there. I think it will come. I don't necessarily know if it's gonna come immediately, yeah. But you know, maybe you look at, at a guy like Allen Robinson as like a second half uh you know by low target. Yeah, yeah. I think it
0: could be pretty volatile, which is is, is the weird part. And so much of this is we were comparing Trey Lance and Justin Fields a lot in the preseason because they both run and that kind of made them intriguing fantasy sleeping rookie quarterbacks. Kind of like the way Jalen Hurts ended up being valuable last season. But like, while, while Lance can probably benefit from yards after the catch and like a shorter attack offense fields is at his best throwing the ball down the field, which is why it's like, I don't know. It's, I'm not sure that Allen Robinson is just going to get tons and tons of short and intermediate passes to prop him up from like a PPR perspective, and that, and that's why I don't necessarily love this from a fantasy perspective. But at least the offense looked a little bit better suited to Fields' skill set last week, so I think there probably will be the weeks where Fields connects with Robinson and Mooney for like 40-yard touchdowns and makes them like very valuable relative to their prices. But I, I guess I don't necessarily love them right now. Actually, my DFS play for this game is like slam dunk. It's Damian Williams. Both platforms, but I I pointed out 5,800 in FanDuel, I think is $1,700 underpriced. Uh, It's a combination of factors. One, I think Williams is really good. He was top 10 in avoided tackle rate and yards after contact per attempt in 2019. He then opted out of 2020 for COVID, and I think that's kind of why he ended up as a backup on the Bears. But now that you don't have Montgomery for several weeks, I think he's definitely going to be the lead guy. Tariq Cohen still on the PUP list. And the Raiders love the matchup. They're the number, I think, four booster of touchdown rate among running backs. I just, I think it's a slam dunk. Uh, what are your thoughts on on Damian Williams both this weekend in
1: general? Yeah, I am. I am a hundred percent in on Damian Williams. I think he will see the volume. You know, he he knows this scheme, right? He played for two years under uh, under Andy Reid, and and Nagy's scheme is basically a knockoff of that Andy Reid system. So. Hmm. You know, Williams is good for the, uh, he's good for the pass catching. He's good for the outside zone runs. Um, he's good for the pre-snap motion. I like him a lot. I think that he's, uh, he's definitely a huge asset in both seasonal and DFS. The hmm. fact that he's 5,800 um, on DraftKings makes it even better uh, because he will catch some passes. You will see a bunch of checkdowns from fields. So we have a question on YouTube
0: from Adam saying, Jonathan Williams, Damien or sorry, Jonathan Taylor... Damian Williams, A.J. Brown or Marquise Brown, pick one wide receiver and pick one flex. Honestly, I'm not sure A.J. Brown's going to play. So let's focus on the Jonathan Taylor, Damian Williams question. I think the obvious answer is Taylor. He's the more trustworthy option. But they're they're the Monday night game, I believe, uh, in Baltimore. I feel like Williams has a much better matchup. I kind of want
1: to go with him. But what what do you say? I kind of want to go with Williams as well. I okay. really do. I think, I think Taylor is a solid guy. But, you know... I mean, maybe maybe it helps that Na'im Hines is likely going to be out, but I, you know, I just, I just, I like this matchup so much more for yeah. Damian Williams. I just think he's he's the more versatile back uh, yeah. as well.
0: I think they're both top ten options, so like I'm not worried that you're going to make a bad choice necessarily, but I want to kind of point out that how bullish I am on Damian Williams because I think he he may be off of some radars even if he was a big waiver wire
1: pickup this week. Yeah. And in a PPR format, I think he just oh, yeah. he serves better than Taylor. He Absolutely. Does.
0: All right. Cleveland Browns at Los Angeles Chargers, four in the Dome in Los Angeles. Um, sticking with some of these defense questions, I, I don't know why I peppered with so many of these, but they're just kind of important narratives right now. Do you think the Browns' defense is one to avoid in fantasy matchups? So the, the number three DVOA defense overall, number one against the run, Um, But like, I wonder how much of that is coming from that weird bears game. Justin Fields first start where he took nine sacks. So you're like, uh, like, (laughs) is this a product of schedule? Like the bills defense could be, I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts about the Browns? And are are you scared of them with any of your chargers
1: players? Um, You know what I love about the Browns, obviously uh, that, that front seven is rock solid. Their Mm -hmm. pass rush is fantastic. Miles Garrett is ridiculous. Um, You know, with the chargers, you know, here's the thing is that, you know, Herbert is 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 versatile enough and good enough to to recognize the um you know when the blitz comes. When these guys start over pursuing, when the edge rushers start to overpursue, I think you're gonna this this like this has a game where it's like you know, Austin Eckler ends up with like 10, yeah. you know, 10, 12 targets and turns it into like a you know, 10 catches for, you know, whatever, you know, 92 yards and a touchdown. Like I think that's you know, that's how you neutralize this pass rush. The question is: Is does the uh, does the secondary hold up? Because yeah. they, you know, they've got some great talent in the secondary, but can it hold up, you know, against Mike Williams and Keenan Allen? So, um, I do love this uh, this Browns team. I love their defense, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit any of my Chargers because yeah. of it.
0: Me neither, too, because they're playing at home in the dome. And like, even if you're not at home, like being in a dome is such a big boon for all of the passing options for for an offense that I just I think. I'm not scared enough that I'm going to run away from Justin Herbert or any of these guys. Actually, Herbert at 7,700 in Fandle, I think is a pretty decent option for you in DFS this week. Uh, Domes increased passing yards per attempt by 6% and touchdowns per attempt by 9%. So I think that's going to counterbalance what I do think is probably a really good defense, but a- enough that I'm, I'm willing to run with Herbert for the week. Uh, next up, we have the Giants at Cowboys, 425 in the Dome in Dallas. And <laughs> I never would have thought I was going to ask this, but you think Daniel Jones is making a, dare I say, Josh Allen, like third year leap. I know it sounds crazy, but if you look at the DVOA passing trends, it's it's kind of uncanny. So the, for, for Allen, it was negative 19%, negative 22%. Sorry, scratch that. Allen, negative 36%, negative 12%, suddenly 26% last, last year for Jones, negative 19%, negative 22% and suddenly 14% this season, Kind of quietly really turning a corner this year, or is that just a weird four-start kind of situation? What are your thoughts with Jones?
1: Well, I mean, you look at what we've seen from the defenses that they've played against. Week one against the Broncos, okay, Vic Fangio's defense Mm rock solid. uh, Good. You you enjoyed the game there. Um, But then, you know, what, he excels against the the Falcons, against Washington. So, you know, those two defenses are probably – boosting i think so uh, that's my thought yeah this is this is the game for me where it's like this is make or break for daniel jones because Mm -hmm. dallas has improved their defense significantly trevon diggs is, is ridiculous in the secondary right now um if daniel jones can go turnover you know turnover free you know maybe one pick yeah um then then i'll start to really kind of buy into it but if he just you know if he goes back and reverts to the Daniel Jones that, you know, we know, uh, then I'm going to have a, a problem thinking that he's going to make that leap. So he just needs to be, he doesn't even need to have like a killer passing uh, weekend here. Yeah. Just don't turn the ball over with you entirely. And I, I still have
0: a little bit of trepidation that this could be a, a small sample sort of uh, boost yeah. here, but I will say that Jones also has a 28% carry share. That's third highest among quarterbacks. So I like it a little bit more from a fantasy perspective than I'm ready to like it from a real world perspective. And as such, I think he's a decent option say in DraftKings at 6,000, pretty inexpensive for, for a quarterback. That's an option for you there. Um, We've gotten a couple of questions about Dak Prescott versus um, Patrick Mahomes, which may sound a little bit crazy, but I think for, for Dak being at home facing the Giants, probably a much better spot than uh, Mahomes facing the Bills and their number one DVA defense um, but are, are you sticking with Mahomes there or is the matchup enough to sway you?
1: I feel like I'm going to stay with Mahomes. You know, the, the, the game is expected to be a big shootout with Buffalo. Um, you know, I mean, these are these are two teams who are contending for the AFC title, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and when you're talking about Dak, yeah, listen, he's he's been playing really well. But, you know, I, I worry that maybe this is more of a, you know, a Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard type game. Uh, for them, because it is the Giants, and you don't yeah. need to, you know, be too crazy pass heavy with it. So, you know, yeah, I, I got, I got to stick with Mahomes here.
0: I think that's fair. I, so, I actually do rank Prescott ahead of Mahomes. Um, I do all of these like these specific matchup adjustments related to, to factors and things like that, and they do come out that Prescott is ahead of Mahomes. But I will point out that Mahomes continuously defies any type of trend that you would normally see with a quarterback. Like he scores more on the road than at home. He scores more in bad weather than you would expect. doesn't really matter what defense he faces.
1: He's just kind of the man. (laughs) So like
0: from a traditional league, I probably wouldn't pull the trigger on that. But I would say if if you actually bring the salaries involved, that's where suddenly I'd rather have Prescott at the less expensive DFS price. But two really good options. Again, I'm not sure you can go wrong there. All right. A couple more games to hit. 49ers at Cardinals. Really compelling game at 425 in the Dome in Arizona. I mentioned Trey Lance at this point. I think he's going to be the starting quarterback here. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been practicing this week, so I think Lance is going to get the start. Are you optimistic at all about Lance? Like, I feel like Justin Fields kind of poured cold water on the idea that these running rookies could be really good for you in fantasy. But what about Lance? Do you think that he has a better shot?
1: Not not wholeheartedly right now. Uh, you know, you, you watch the game. I mean, he just, I, I don't feel like he got enough work in camp as a potential number one for them to go with him. I think that yeah. Shanahan had it all set in his mind that this was going to be Jimmy Garoppolo's team, and eventually we'll see what happens midway through the season, whether or not we want to make that move. Now, the injury yeah. to to the calf for Garoppolo has kind of sped this up a little bit, but you know, you looked at, at Lance, he just did not look prepared. I mean, this was like, you know, he like looked for Debo Samuel and if Samuel was covered or wasn't, you know, couldn't find him, then he would just kind of run around a little bit and then run out of bounds right? like yeah. and just take off. So I, I do have concerns right there with uh, with Trey Lance. Just for right now, I think, again, talented yeah. kid, could develop into a strong quarterback in the NFL. Now is just not the time. And that's going to, you know, that's going to end up hurting kittle debo Ayuk, uh for sure
0: i mean i think that latter point is 100 true but i gotta say from a fantasy perspective if i were gonna start lance i would love for the like look at debo and if he's not there then run because like fields one of his big fantasy problems this is maybe not a real world concern in the same way but he just hasn't been running like what does he have like four or five carries in his last two starts we were looking for a much higher rate there and then last week lance Carried the ball seven times and playing only half the snaps in relief of Garoppolo. So if that's what happens, then I think he can have fantasy value, but I'm ranking him something like 18th or 19th among quarterbacks, not, not necessarily a fantasy starter, unless you're in a two, two quarterback league. And then from a, D, a DFS perspective, I think I'm looking definitely at the Cardinals side of this, like, you know, guys like Murray are kind of no brainers, but I'll point out AJ green, let your thoughts here, 5,700 in FanDuel. I think that's modestly underpriced about $400 underpriced. Green has an 18.8% target share this season, is 46th among wide receivers, not necessarily great. But DeAndre Hopkins, 19.5% is 44th. And I'm wondering if like adding guys like Green and Rondale Moore maybe added a little bit more juice to the guys opposite Hopkins, since that that's drawing more of the target share away from Hopkins than I think a lot of us expected. Are you seeing that at all? Like To me, this is almost more of a don't necessarily start Hopkins point, but like, what about Green? Like, Would you be willing to start him in a DFS lineup?
1: Maybe in a DFS lineup, one of two things is going to happen with A.J. Green this week, right? He's either going to ball out and uh, and get a another 100-yard game, maybe even mm. get into the end zone, uh, or he's going to get hurt. Um, <laughs> and if he balls out this week, then it's next week when everybody and their grandmother starts him. That's when he gets That's hurt. when he's going to get hurt. So I'm out on A.J. <sighs> Green. I, I, I might be a little bit on the stubborn side about it, but yeah, I mean, here's a guy who, you know, just, he hasn't been, he hasn't been himself in, in, in eight years. So, you know, I mean, I get it, you know, having Hopkins there is going to pull some coverage away. And maybe he's, you know, been rejuvenated in this, uh, in this offensive scheme of Kingsbury's, but I just, I am not going to invest in, uh, in him at all. I was just, not going to do it because the moment it, you know, the moment you do is the moment he gets hurt.
0: I mean, I can't really argue. Frankly, last year, I kept wondering if he was hurt and we just didn't really know about it because negative 0.27 yards after the catch plus per catchable target was dead last among wide receivers with 50 or more targets. But this year it's, it's neutral negative 0.02. So it's like the productivity per catchable target is there, but, you know, I can't really dispute the fact that that could turn if, if there's any kind of injury that crops up. Seems likely to happen in the long term, but maybe benefit while you can from a DFS perspective. I don't know. I think maybe we're taking a risk. All right. A couple more games to hit on here. We're to the Sunday night game, the, the big time game of the week for, for real world and probably for some of your fantasy matchups too. bills at Chiefs, 8, 820 p.m. Eastern time in Kansas City. Good weather, 75 and clear. Kind of getting back to this defense question, the Bills are the number one DVOA defense, and they're like the third best ever through four weeks in the DVOA database. But who have they played, right? Ben Roethlisberger, Jacoby Brissett, Taylor Heineke, Davis Mills. Not exactly your murderer's row of quarterbacks to face in fantasy. So what are your thoughts? Do you think that the Bills are a defense to actually avoid? Like I mentioned how I preferred Prescott uh, Prescott
1: to Mahomes from fantasy perspective, but this could be a bit of a mirage. What do you think? Um, I am not sitting any of my chiefs. I'm going all in. Listen, I, I I think that the Bills' defense is is legitimate, but you know, again, this is a very special offense. We've seen these yes. teams go against each other, so yeah. I mean, I listen, Mahomes, yes, Hill, yes, Kelsey, yes. Uh, you know, I, I want in on it. I don't necessarily know if I want in on Josh Gordon, but I'll go in on uh, on the rest of them.
0: Yeah, that's fair. We should probably hit the Bills' offense angle too because my DFS play recommendation here is Cole Beasley at 4,700 in DraftKings. But, you know, Emmanuel Sanders has kind of been coming on of late, and I don't know if that's like a trend or it's just like a weird split that's happened. What are your thoughts on the number two wide receiver for the
1: Bills? Do you like Beasley or do you like Sanders or both? I prefer Sanders, you know. I, I just I, – I like his uh, – you know, I, I like the fact his reliability, right. Mm-hmm. He's like developed into, you know, when healthy, he's developed into that guy that Josh Allen knows that he can find on third down and help move the chains. Um, you know, I just, I, I, I'm a fan of Sanders. I'm just not really a huge fan of Beasley. I think, you know, he's, he serves the, he serves a good purpose as a, uh, as a slot receiver. Yeah. Sometimes the matchups are really favorable where he's going to be able to be usable, but overall, I like the, uh, I like the outside guys of, uh, of Sanders and Diggs more.
0: So I like them from a talent perspective, definitely. But I will point out that I think this may be one of those good matchups for Beasley because the chiefs are a bigger increaser of yards per target and touchdowns per target for slot receivers, 14% and 20% than they are for number two receivers. They actually cut number two receiver touchdown rate by my projections. So I think this is probably a good spot for Beasley, I don't really know who the chiefs would try to cover him with. They like, they really don't have very good linebacker coverage options. Maybe they'll bring some safeties up or whatever, but if the bills end up having to throw a lot to try to keep up, I think that's going to be a lot different game plan. than, for example, last week in the rain when they're winning by 40 points, like it's not a mystery to me while Beasley wasn't involved last week. I think this week could be a a totally different story. Um, We actually had a user ask Cole Beasley versus Damian Harris. For for DFS this week, or maybe just for a fantasy lineup in general, I know that those neither one are necessarily your favorite guy. But if you had to pick one of the two, who would you go with? at flex.
1: Um, if it's a PPR, if we're if we're talking about, I mean PPR leagues, it'll be Beasley. Yeah. Standard leagues, it'll be Damian Harris. I do think Damian Harris mm. gets some work. I do think he gets into the end zone this weekend. Okay. You know. So yeah, um, it's, I mean, it's maybe better options. A, yeah, given the matchup Such a soft
0: matchup, right? Mm. So soft. Absolutely. All right, one more game to hit on Howard. That's the Monday night game. We we brought it up earlier. Colts at Ravens, uh, eight fifteen PM in Baltimore, seventy two degrees and clear. I don't know if this is true or not. So I'm not sure if this is for this week or for future. But with Rashad Bateman coming back from injured reserve, do you think that's going to make a difference for the other Ravens skill players? I would say probably most notably Marquise Brown, who has been a lot better than I think a lot of people have realized this year from a fantasy perspective, 24.1% target share is 22nd highest among all wide receivers. So he's like a borderline wide receiver too from a fantasy perspective, but can he be that if, if Bateman comes back?
1: Um, you know, listen, anytime you get somebody else in there who can help draw coverage away, mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's, it's a huge bonus. You know, here's the thing with Marquise Brown. If he catches one of those touchdown passes, oh, yeah. just one in week three, right? Yeah. Are we even remotely having this conversation or are we like <laughs> Marquise Brown him? He's amazing. Huge wide target. Share, he's, yeah, catching. Yeah. He, he's always open downfield. He's it's always true. open. I've been really
0: encouraged with Lamar. So like the, the rap on Lamar is that he doesn't throw the ball to wide receivers, right? He won't throw it outside the hashes. He runs and he throws the tight ends. It's been different this year. It really has. His wide receiver target percentage was 42.8% last year, last among quarterbacks, way up to 57.7%. Middle of the pack, still not like a a league leader in throwing the wide receivers or anything, but he's improving. He's making strides there. I think the wide receivers are making major strides. And Bateman, who I think long-term can be really good and probably the number one receiver for the team, I think it's only going to help all these guys. So I'm with you. I think Brown still is is a good option. Um, maybe not my favorite DFS option for the week with the Colts, but um, I think still going to be a, a decent f- play for you from a DFS perspective. If I was going to lean on DFS for this game, um, if you're playing like a full week kind of slate, I'd say Latavius Murray 5700 uh, 5, and FanDuel right now I think is a little bit underpriced. Uh, with the decision to deactivate Tyson Williams, Le'Veon Bell was sort of the role replacer, but Murray jumped from a 31 to 36% snap share weeks one to three to 62% in week four. So I think he's sort of the lead between the tackles type of runner guy. And there may be some matchup specifics there if Williams continues to be out, but in this matchup, when you expect, I think the Ravens to, to build a pretty big lead at home, I would think he would be the one to benefit in fantasy.
1: What do you think about that? I think if you're asking me to invest in the uh, in the Ravens backfield, I, I want to. just... <laughs> <laughs> right, I mean, Latavius Murray is the guy to invest in if you're going to invest in that in that backfield.
0: But you're not. Oh, man, feeling that it. is just.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is a hot mess. Mm. Oh, Lev Bell, really? I mean the
0: but the amazing thing about the Ravens is and I don't know how much of this is Lamar, how much of it is run blocking. And I know they have worse offensive linemen than they typically do, but they just produce like 4.6 yards per carry or higher, no matter who's in the backfield. It can be Gus Edwards. It can be, can be anybody. I feel like is Latavius Murray dramatically worse than Gus Edwards. I don't know. Gus Edwards
1: had fantasy value <laughs> last year. He does listen. I, I get it. And I get it. I just, I, I, you know what it is? Maybe I just wish, that they gave Tyson Williams, uh, a, a, you know, a bigger opportunity. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess what he missed a a pass block and that's, you know, the big no, no here. I, I don't know. I don't we'll know.
0: see. I mean, we'll see. Cause th- that was one week. We don't even know for sure if Williams is going to be activated for <clears> Monday night. So, you know, honestly, given that you can't really make other decisions if news comes out, maybe it's a, a situation to avoid, but I'm not sure we've heard the, the last of, of Williams yet this season either. But before we let you go, Howard, we should probably give you a little bit of a palate cleanser. We've got a couple more questions on YouTube. <laughs> Start three of Christian McCaffrey. You're definitely starting him if he plays. Kareem Hunt, Damian Williams, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. We talked about Ooh. the Damian Williams matchup earlier. I think, like, in my mind, he's the definite two, which I know mm-hmm. may be surprising. But that for me, that leaves Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, and Kareem Hunt as the third choice. Are you in agreement there? And what's your opinion on those two?
1: I am in 100% agreement there. CMC and, and Williams are the, uh, the the first two. Mm-hmm. It comes down to Hunt and CEH. And, um, you know, I, I think that I would probably, just knowing the 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 Bills' defense, just knowing that Mahomes likes to take it over and, yeah. and throw the ball that, you know, like last week CEH was used to kind of chew up the clock a bunch. I don't think that's going to happen. But with the way Stefanski has been utilizing Kareem Hunt, uh, I don't love it as a Nick Chubb Nick, Nick Chubb guy, but yeah. I mean, I would probably start Hunt over CEH based on the matchup.
0: I'm not looking at my rankings to confirm if I had this true, but like kind of latching onto narratives, if Baker Mayfield really is having shoulder problems, this may be a big time running week for the Browns on the road against the Chargers. Like wouldn't stun me at all if Hunt and Chubb combined for like 45 carries. Right, so like, right. you know, if it's close enough there, that may be the way that I lean um, we got one more question before I let you go, Howard, from Joey Sucks. I've heard that quarterback performances correlate pretty strongly with the value of their running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Given that, are you worried about Russell Gage and Calvin Ridley being out and how that might actually then hurt Kyle Pitts and, and Corderell Patterson? Um, I would say, like, you know, it would be different if this was a team like the Bills that could really shut down if there was only a limited number of options. But the fact that it's a Jets matchup. I think I'm a lot more inclined to, to roll with these guys. I had them both ranked pretty high, but you can disagree and tell me I'm wrong.
1: No, as a Jets fan, I have to say, um, I'm definitely. Thanks. They may restart the revolutionary war over this, sending these teams to London, honestly. Right? Seriously. It's Unbelievable. Um, I, I don't have an issue giving Pitts another shot. I don't have an issue starting Cordero Patterson here. Um, I actually, I don't even have an issue starting Mike Davis because mm-hmm. I think they'll use Davis more, yeah. uh, you know, on the ground and, and shift Patterson more towards, uh, you know, the receiving aspect. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that, you know, with what we've seen here from Matt Ryan and, and these guys, I think they're going to stay targeted. And it is, it's a, it's a bad Jets defense. So yeah, I'm still good with them.
0: Okay, cool. Well, Howard, it was a real joy to have you back on the show. Um, I'm, it sounds like fantasy alarm is doing great. You guys are getting a lot of, uh, Fandle winners, a lot of other stuff going on, but tell everybody how they can
1: find all of your work, including Sirius and everything else you have going on. All right. You can catch me on Sirius XM fantasy sports radio channel 87. Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Me and uh, Jim Bowden, the GM, Mm -hmm. uh, we have that show there. Uh, I'm on the Anti-Up podcast, uh, which is on all of your podcast platforms. It's me and Adam Ronas. Uh, and that's always a good listen because he and I are like bickering Bickerson's <laughs> uh, the entire time. Love that. Um, right. You can follow me on Twitter at Roto buzz guy. You can find all my work over at fantasyalarm.com. Uh You can also find some, uh, some articles in the New York post every, oh, yeah. uh, every Tuesday and every Sunday.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Well, everybody check that out. Howard is one of the best in the business and we really appreciate you sticking with us, previewing all the games for week five. Good luck with your fantasy matchups this week. And then again, reminder that Monday through Friday, we are live 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, You got us on YouTube. You've got us on Twitch, on Twitter, on Facebook, however you want to watch us. And then after the fact, you can watch us on YouTube after the fact or the Football Outsiders Podcast Network. Thanks so much for subscribing. Thanks so much for watching. We'll look forward to talking to you again next week.